Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, we thank you for coming out tonight on a cold night, and we thank you for joining us on the internet. If you have a Bible, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Acts 20, verse 27. If you're here tonight and you don't have a Bible, they are in the pews in front of you if you want to use one of those or... You're more than welcome. Acts 20, beginning in verse 27. The the message title tonight is Spiritual Wolves. Spiritual Wolves. Verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Paul who is speaking here has is speaking to people he's going to see for the very last time what would you say what would i say to someone or to a group of people if you knew you were going to see them for the very last time on this earth I don't know if any of you were, have ever been in that position. But Paul, in these verses we'll look at tonight, has an intensity that sometimes can be lost if you don't understand that these people that he loves, these people that have formed a very important and strong church, is he's not going to see them again. And he says in verse 27 that he has not stopped, he has not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And one of the things I love about this church and the Calvary Chapel Church in Old Bridge that I started at over 30 years ago when I first learned verse-by-verse instruction, verse-by-verse teaching, is that from Genesis to Revelation, it's so important because you're getting the whole counsel of God. You're not getting bits and pieces. You're getting the whole counsel, the whole Word of God. And if you're an older Christian or a younger Christian and you don't, you've never read the Bible. You've never gone through Genesis to Revelation. I want to encourage you to do that. I think, I used to think it was only about seven years it took to go through the whole Bible through teaching from the pulpit. But I think the number now is it it can take 12 to 13 years. 
So you can get through the whole Bible before you hear it taught throughout the Scriptures or throughout your church. Verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. Therefore, in verse 28, therefore take heed. I want to look at that for a second. You and I are vulnerable to fall. You and I are vulnerable to sin. You and I are vulnerable to not be used by God to be put on a shelf. God forbid that happens to any one of us. We want to be in the place in our walk with Jesus that He's always using us. Whether it's at a stoplight, whether it's in a supermarket, whether it's on our jobs, whether it's in our church, whatever, wherever we go. But we need to remember and be humble that we are vulnerable to fall. Throughout church history, throughout our own lifetime, we've seen some men raised up by the Lord and used in a mighty way that have fallen. It can happen to anyone. No one is immune. We need to stay plugged in to Jesus. Therefore, take heed to devote thought and effort to our spiritual condition. Do you, do I, devote thinking? Do we, are we dedicated in our effort to look at our spiritual condition? Are we fat cats, spiritually speaking? Or are we always looking to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? Now, one of the teachings in verse 28 is they're talking about the pastors, the elders, the deacons as the shepherds that lead their flock, that lead their congregation. But you know, as I look out here today, you know, I see different people that are involved in ministry in this church. That you're with a group of people that you're like a shepherd to that group. You're ministering to that group. They're looking to you as the leader in that group. And then I look around here and I see grandparents or I see parents that you have people that look to you for guidance. Spiritual guidance as well as any kind of wisdom to help them out. So in one sense... This applies to all of us if we have one or more people that look to us 
And you know, sometimes people look at you and you don't even know they're looking. Right? They're looking at you. They're seeing how you act in circumstances. How you speak or don't speak. You're teaching somebody. There's always eyes upon you. I remember, I don't have it here right now, but I, and I didn't even think of it till I was up here, but in coaching, there's a poem that talks about there's always little eyes upon you as a coach or a teacher. You're always teaching. If you're in any position of authority, people are always watching. They're learning. So important for us to remember. You and I have to be concerned. We have to be devout in our thinking and our effort looking at our spiritual condition. Because you know what? If I don't take care of my spiritual condition one-on-one with Jesus, there is no way in the world that I could minister to other people. Couldn't. Like if I'm not right with the Lord, if I'm not growing, how can I minister to someone else and help them grow? And the same goes to you and, you know, How can you, if you don't have a great relationship with Jesus, minister to someone else in the full capacity that God wants you to minister? God wants us to provide necessary needs to individual souls. There might be somebody tonight that you've already prayed with. There might be somebody tonight you already gave encouragement to. There might be somebody you do that with after service is over in the several minutes of fellowship before you go home. Right? There might be a phone call you get later tonight where either you're encouraging or praying with somebody or they're encouraging or praying with you. This is part of the body of Christ, isn't it? Isn't this what we do as living stones? As living part of body life? That's what we do as the family of God. We try to lift each other up. We don't try to beat each other up. So in that verse 28, therefore take heed, and then the next part is, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And I just want to look at that part. To yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Making sure that the things done by others are done rightly. Like if you're in a position of being over a group, you're also in a position not only to encourage, but also correct and instruct in a godly and a loving way. Helping them out. So making sure that things are being done rightly in that group setting. I think of so many times in our men's group on the second and fourth Saturdays how throughout the years there's been times it gets sometimes there's a lot there's conflict around the 30, 40 guys. And there's got to be instruction, correction, encouragement. 
And that's what we do. That's what you should do. But notice who is putting you in that position. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God Himself putting you in that position. And then it says to shepherd. God has made you overseers to shepherd. Let's look at that word for a minute. To shepherd. To feed. This is what a shepherd does. To feed. To tend. To nourish. To serve the body. To meet individual spiritual needs in the church. That's what a good shepherd does. We're going to look at some things a little bit. What bad shepherds do. But good shepherds nourish. They help the sheep grow. They nurture the sheep. And then the last part of that verse says, the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. And I remember last time a couple weeks ago, just the importance of that verse that to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. Who purchased? God purchased. How did He purchase it? With His own blood. So here we see Jesus, God in the flesh, dying for you and me and the body of Christ, the church. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, I want to take go back to that word, take heed in the beginning of verse 28. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, it says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So I want to um, look at four teaching points in that verse. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians. The first is discipline. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote to the Corinthian church, did not want his body to rule over his entire person. But he wanted to beat his body into submission. Spiritually speaking. He went to the synagogue. He went to prayer meetings. He went down by the lake where there was a bunch of, or by the river where there was a bunch of women praying. He went into the marketplace to evangelize. He tried to take advantage of any situation where people would listen about Jesus. He was disciplined. He didn't always want to do it. I'm sure. Just as a human, we don't always want to do certain things. But we do it. You came out tonight, I'm sure it's what? Low, mid-30s, low-30s, maybe wind chill is high-20s. Maybe it was very difficult for some of you to come out tonight, but you're here. Maybe you're at home and you're watching online and your favorite show is on. But you're disciplining yourself because you're doing something that you're growing in the grace and knowledge 
of God. Going to women's groups, going to men's groups, um, getting involved in ministry, being committed. Not just being someone who walks in the door and walks out, but gets involved with other people, interacts with other people, getting to know new people, and then allowing God to use the gifts that He's given you to minister to others. But it all comes back to your relationship one-on-one with Jesus Christ. Because He builds you up. He fills you with His Holy Spirit. I remember we had one uh, fella who's been helping out for years in the uh, Samaritan's Purse shoeboxes. And on this one particular day, I don't think any of the pastors were there, and he ended up praying with people. And he couldn't believe it. But God has prepared him. He has gotten him ready throughout the years with different things he's been doing in ministry. Any good coach coaches his team to get them ready for into, to get them ready for situations in the contest, in the game. Because, and that's what our God does, the great coach. He gets us ready through the circumstances and the practices and the failures and the successes. He's always training us. The second teaching point with that verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 9.27 is bringing your body into subjection. The word subjection. Uh, to lead, the, uh, the comparison was to lead your body as the master would lead a slave. He wanted to make his body a servant. He wasn't going to make his body the ruler. His inner man was the master. His renewed spirit, his born-again spirit was his master. And his desires, his bodily desires, were not going to control his life. You and I should have, we should see changes, right? As we walk and grow with the Lord. We should see things that we're doing now that we never even thought about months ago or a year ago or five years ago. We see God renewing us and building us and changing us and put us in, in situations that we never knew existed. And remember what Paul said, I'm a bond slave a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And what was the difference between a bondservant and a slave? A slave didn't have a choice. A bondservant, when his slavery time was up and he was a free man or woman, wanted to stay with his master. He wanted to serve him because he loved him. He did it out of love, not out of duty. And Paul was a bondservant. He went all over the world, the known world, because he loved Jesus. And he wanted to share that love with as many people as he came across. And we see that right in the book of Acts. The thousands of miles he traveled.
The last teaching point is the preaching that Paul mentions. Now, a preacher was an official messenger. One who represents a king in an ambassadorial capacity. He was an ambassador. He represented the king in bringing the message to the people. In 2 Corinthians 5, 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So tonight, you're here, or you're listening, or maybe you'll listen three months from now, because the Holy Spirit will bring you to a certain message. God is imploring all of us, especially those who have not repented, who have not said, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I want to turn and follow you. I don't want to follow my way anymore. I want to follow you. So we implore you. We, Paul is imploring. He's pleading. He's begging on Christ's behalf. On what Jesus has done at the cross. Be reconciled with God. Come back to God. Or if you never follow God, connect with Him now. Before it's too late. Don't wait. If today you hear His voice, don't harden your heart and walk away from God. Open your heart and receive Him in. That's for somebody that's going to listen or is listening. Don't keep running from God. Be reconciled to Him. There's a term that Paul uses. Don't be disqualified. You know, don't be disqualified in, your, in the race. There was a young girl who, when she was in middle school, like kosher and cross country, she was running in the Shore Conference Finals. She was a senior. And she was second or third the whole race. And I don't even think it was as long as this aisle to the sound booth, to the finish line. And the girl was just ahead of her. She was running right off the girl. And normally you would pass somebody on the left. But she decided to pass the girl on the right and there was a narrow space between the girl and the judges. And she cut really and really tight and even bumped the girl and passed her. So we're thinking, seeing this, she won the race. She was first. She was disqualified. She didn't even finish second. She was disqualified. And, not, and the third runner was like 10 seconds behind her. But she was disqualified. It was heartbreaking. Paul, when he talks about disqualification, he's not talking about the loss of salvation. No Greek citizenship was revoked upon losing in an athletic contest. But there was a loss of the reward. There was a loss of the crown. You and I want to be governed, controlled, and led by God's Holy Spirit. 
This way we're never disqualified. Not that we will lose our salvation once we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but to get that crown from God that when we're in heaven, we're going to frisbee that crown to Jesus' feet. We don't want to lose our crown or the opportunity for that. And remember in that verse 28 of Acts 20, to shepherd the church of God for which he purchased with his own blood. There was a price. There was a price that God paid. Not only did he leave his throne in heaven to come down to this earth and put on human skin, not only did he stay on this earth for about 33 years, but he went and was whipped and tortured and bled and hit and nailed to a cross and mocked for you and for me. And he did not have to do that, but he did it out of his love for you and for me. What a great Savior we serve. But I want to look at shepherds. Jesus, the shepherd of your soul and my soul, but I want to go through several passages Because remember the title tonight of this message is Savage Wolves. And there are shepherds throughout the world, throughout the churches, that are like savage wolves. And we'll look at that. In Jeremiah 10.21, For the shepherds have become dull-hearted and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper and all their flocks shall be scattered. There are pastors. There are priests. There are teachers that do not seek the Lord. They do not seek His Word. They do not teach His Scripture. And some of them are making millions of dollars as we speak through book deals and so on. But that not honoring the Lord, they will not prosper. And, all, and we know some of their congregations have scattered, have been hurt. We've seen them over the years. Sometimes some of those hurt sheep come into our church because they were hurt by a shepherd who was not called or he did not obey the calling of God. In Jeremiah 23.1, it says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. This is not any man's church. This is God's church. And he calls the people to fill this pulpit. And we need and do. We keep each other humble. We keep each other accountable to God's Word and to honor and obey Him. This is a serious position up here for any person that comes up here to quote the Scriptures, to teach from the Scriptures, to honor God's Word, to allow God through His Word to touch your hearts to encourage you, to convict you, to save you. In Jeremiah 23, 2, 
Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. You know, some people in pulpits feed their congregation cotton candy. You know what happens when you eat cotton candy? It's gone. As soon as you put it in your mouth, it's gone. But the milk of the Word, the meat of the Word, penetrates deep into your soul, into your spirit, into your heart. God's Word divides soul and spirit, right? The things that have already happened to us because of God's Word being taught. Uh, Jeremiah 23, 4, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. The Lord has sent people out to shepherd the flocks, to love them, to nurture them, to grow them, to multiply them so that they can reproduce other sheep through home Bible studies, through evangelism. God's plan is for the church, the body of Christ to grow. Jeremiah 56, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Some churches... Because they don't honor God's Word, people are on a mountaintop wanting to hear more. But the teachers bring them to a hill. They don't see things like they did. They're limited in their view. They're limited in their nourishment. Ezekiel 34.8 As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock. But the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. The good shepherd is going to take care of his sheep. He's not going to fleece them. He's not going to eat their food. He's not going to grow healthy while they starve. Very important. Pastor Joe and I, I believe just this week, we were talking that 5 to 10% of the churches in the United States, they don't teach God's Word. They teach a, a piece of God's Word. They take a piece out. But they don't do the whole counsel of God. They leave their congregation anemic. And I think as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus, or the rapture of the church and the return of Jesus, there's going to be more and more teachers who are going to tickle the ears of their congregation. They're going to itch their ears. Instead of teaching God's Word and allow God's Word to encourage, convict, teach, and save. Ezekiel 34.10, Thus says the Lord God, 
Behold, I'm against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. I remember I was in a couple churches where I wasn't being fed, but I didn't know it when I first became a believer. I didn't know it. I was so hungry for God's Word, but I didn't know what I was hungry for. But God removed me from those churches and brought me to churches where God's Word was being preached and I was being fed and praise Him for that because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. But He knows your heart, doesn't He? Doesn't Jesus know your heart? And He honors your heart. He cares for you because He's the Good Shepherd. Matthew 9.36 says, But when He saw the multitudes, referring to Jesus, He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. God knows people who are scattered that need that shepherd to lead them. But notice what happens here. He was moved with compassion for them. He's going after them. He probably went after you. I know He went after me. And put me in that position to grow in His love, in His grace. Maybe you're going through a hard time right now. It's a dry spell. Well, keep talking to God. Tell Him you just feel like you're in a desert right now. Tell Him you feel dry. Tell Him when you read His Word. You're not getting anything out of it. Tell Him when you pray, it sounds if you feel like you're talking to the wall. Ask Him to stir up your heart. Ask Him to speak to you. That's your loving Father. He will do that. Don't be frustrated. Be persistent. Don't quit. Go after it. In Matthew 25.32 it says, All the nations will be gathered before Him. And He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. One day God's going to separate the saved from the unsaved. I believe right now that we're seeing different laws, different things that are happening, including those things that are happening over in Israel right now, but along with things that are happening in our country, in our schools, that are separating the sheep from the goats. There's a division happening in our country. Those people who honor God and those people who don't honor God. Those people who could care less what God says. That just want to go with the flow. Don't you see that? I see it all the time. It's becoming more and more obvious, isn't it? What's going on with people's hearts and minds? That's why it's so important that we stay in God's Word. That we continue to fellowship together. That we break bread together. That we pray together. That we do things together. That we do ministry together. John 10, 11-12 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf 
catches the sheep, and scatters them. Well, I know the two pastors that I've served with for close to 20 years, we've seen wolves coming, and we dig in. We talk about foxhole, foxhole Christians. This is God's church. This is God's place of worship and understanding His Word. No man, no government can come against the things of God. No matter what happens. You stand strong in the Lord, right? And in the power of His might. John 10 14 to 16 says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. We have. completed Jewish people in this congregation. Messianic Jews. We'll have Messianic, at least one or two Messianic Jews this Sunday covering the, some of the Feast of Israel. Born again Jewish people who know their Messiah is Jesus Christ. They're not waiting for the Messiah. They recognize that the Messiah has already come, as was forecast in Daniel chapter 9. God covered it in Daniel 9 when the Messiah was going to come. But there were scales over their eyes, the Jewish people. But we're seeing some of those scales being removed. And now God is using in Gentile churches, Jewish people, to teach His Word. How beautiful is that? How full circle is that? And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Psalm 23, we know it well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But there's a lot of empty pulpits preaching empty words and the congregation wants more. They're starving. They're anemic because God's Word is not being honored in that church. Remember, it's God's church. We all should be involved in our local body. Get involved. Love one another. Jesus shed His blood for you and me and the church. The Holy Spirit is calling. He's equipping. He's sending people to minister to others. God wants to fill us to overflowing with this Holy Spirit in order for us to be able to touch other lives. The only way we can touch another life is if we, we have an overflowing spirit. If I'm only half filled, how can I touch other lives with any kind of intensity, passion, or impact? Verse 29 of Acts 20 says, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, 
men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Savage wolves in that verse. Violent, cruel, unsparing. They will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men rising up speaking perverse things. Perverse things meaning, meaning to oppose or plot against the saving purposes and plans of God. To turn aside people to the wrong path instead of staying on the right path. To draw away disciples after themselves instead of after our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can it happen in this church? Absolutely. If there's not watchmen watching, if there's not people watching, praying for those new people that come in, getting to know them, speaking to them, learning about them, becoming friends with them. Maybe they're brand new believers. Maybe they're not saved yet. And they're searching. They're hungry. They have a need. And God is using you as that minister. Besides the person in this pulpit. I want to close. Um, some of you know that for the past month, I've been going up every Monday with my brother, Cliff, who some of you know, he's preached from this pulpit. He's been down in the men's ministry. He's had three operations and the follow-up. So he's been out of his pulpit. He's a pastor down in uh, Brick Township. So he was out of his pulpit for almost a month. And during this time, his elder, along with a couple of our guys from our church, filled in on Wednesdays and Sundays. There were three separate incidents that took place while Cliff was going through his procedures. So number one, this is one example. A pastor came by unannounced to see my brother Cliff. The same guy came by three years previous wanting to merge his church with my brother's church. Cliff did not want to merge. He prayed about it. He didn't want to go there. Pastor Joe and I talked about this a few days ago. There's nowhere in the New Testament that a church ever merged with another church. It's not biblical. So this, fellow, this pastor who wanted to merge with Cliff three years ago, his church, Cliff said no. The guy ended up merging with a church. They merged. Three years later, the church, there was a church split. It didn't last. It wasn't honored. This past Sunday, remember, my brother's not in the pulpit, so these are the circumstances I'm giving you. And what I'm trying to show you through this is the savage wolves and how they smell blood. And they go after that when they smell blood. The second instance, this past Sunday, a pastor who just moved into the area where Cliff's church is came by the church, but they don't know why he came by. And I was talking to Cliff about this. I said, if I was a strange pastor, some of you think I'm a strange pastor anyway, but if, if I was a strange pastor and I wanted to go down and visit Cliff's church, 
what would be the normal procedure? I would call him up, introduce myself, and say, listen, hey, Cliff, I'm coming by your 10 o'clock service. I'd like to talk to you, you know, after service about some things. Well, this one pastor just showed up, and Cliff wasn't there, so no one really knows why he came by. The third situation, this was two Sundays ago. A pastor and his wife from Asbury Park came by their church, and the church had closed because of COVID, and it never reopened. And they wanted to talk to Cliff, and he's not sure if they wanted to merge or what was going on. He hasn't heard from them since. But again, it was only a couple of weeks ago. Now, what I want to point out to you is that this type of thing has never happened before in the 10 or 12 years Cliff has been head pastor until he was absent from the pulpit. Didn't take place until he wasn't there. How did people know he wasn't there? How did that take place? I don't know. But what's going on behind the scenes spiritually? We talk about the principalities and powers of darkness. What's going on? What's taking place? Hey, there's a church right now. The pastor's not there. Maybe his congregation say, hey, Cliff has cancer. Is he going to live? We don't know what's going to happen. Another pastor down here might say, well, I'm going to see if I can take over that church because I don't have a church right now. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. So Cliff's take on this was this. When he was a young pastor, he was too trusting to people, and he got burnt. Second thing is, Cliff right now doesn't want to be too cynical. In Romans 15, 20, it says, Just for, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. So real quick, like I said in the next few minutes, it's not wrong to continue a work begun by another man. If that man is dead or has moved on. But to build upon somebody's work that God has started, while that man is still alive, uh, that's not good. Cliff had said to me, the flesh does not want to do the things of the Spirit. Sometimes, we know this, we want the easy way. Church is already in existence. Let me see if I can get my foot in the door in that church. And some of his congregation, Cliff might say, well, what's wrong with having another pastor? What's wrong with somebody else? Maybe he can do, help you out with your load. But there's so much more. There's a calling of, of God on a person's life, on your life, on my life, to be called into a position and not just show up, especially without following some proper procedures and just contacting the head pastor. In verse 31, let me see where I am right now. Let's stop there. So, the point tonight with Savage Wolves is don't be a person who trusts somebody without having a relationship first. Get to know people. You can be a very trusting person by nature, which isn't a bad thing, but it becomes a bad thing when you trust somebody who's a savage wolf. And remember the scripture says there's wolves in what kind of clothing? Sheep's clothing. They look like sheep. 
They might even smell like sheep. But they're wolves. And how do you know if they're a wolf? You get to know them and you see they try to eat the sheep. They try to go after the sheep. They try to go after people in the congregation. They try to tear them down. They put in some sort of a heresy. They try to devalue things that are being taught. That's why you and I have to be Bereans. We have to know this book to see if what's being said up here is true. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank You that You are a good shepherd. That You watch over us. You're the carer of our souls. Tonight, Lord, if there's anybody here or on the internet that doesn't know You as as a good shepherd and wants to receive You as Lord and Savior, I just want to say a prayer. And if this applies to You, just say it in the quietness of Your own heart. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I have always done things my own way. I have done my own will contrary to Your will. I am a sinner. Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me for all my sins. I know You went to the cross to die for my sins, to pay the penalty for my sins. Forgive me, Lord. Come into my heart. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Be my, good, my shepherd forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, there's a number on the screen. Just call the number. We'll send material out to you. If you're here and you said that prayer, just come on up. And there's some packages right there to get you started in your walk with the Lord. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org Thanks for listening and may God bless.